The Truth News Network. Politicians lie, media pundits swear to it, and we're kept in gathering darkness and fed... Well, you know. How do you keep saying? You stand on the truth, that's how. TNN, the Truth News Network. And to stand with you is Dan Newman. Quite honestly, sometimes you just want to cuss. <laughs> oh my goodness, you made it to Friday though, folks. You made it to Friday. We're finishing up another week and hey, we're doing it together. You and me at TNN Live. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, listen, if you hadn't been here in a while or maybe you're new to the TNN Live family, know this. This is a two-hour show. Yeah, I know. In the middle of the week, that's a long time to be committed to sit and listen to something. And so I'm smart enough to realize not very many people are going to sit there for two solid hours just because you can't. So that means you're going to miss some of this show. They're all available for you now. Very easy to get every show. Say you catch up at the middle or you begin at the end and drop out and you didn't get the middle and then maybe you got the beginning half of the show but you didn't get the rest. Don't worry. Within minutes after this show goes off the air, both Apple and Spotify put the podcast, truthnewsnet.org's produced TNN Live, they put them up on their podcast site. So if you've got an Apple iTunes account, which you do if you have an iTunes, uh, if you have an Apple phone, um, just get that little pink podcast app, put it up in the front of your phone, click on it when you're ready to go see or listen to one of our episodes. All five of this week's shows will be up probably before noon today. At 11 o'clock, it'll be up within an hour for sure at iTunes. Same thing at Spotify. Just want to throw that in there and tell you, you don't need to miss anything. And of course, if you're going to our website, you can always grab each day's show at the completion of the show. The story that's published that day, you scroll down to the bottom and in bright italics in red, there's a link to that day's show. Doesn't cost you a dime. Maybe, maybe we ought to charge because when we pay for something, we always seem to be more um, uh, responsible. We want to protect it. We want to use it. I'm just throwing that out there. We're not going to do that. I don't want you to think we're going to do that. Well, even though the week is winding down, believe me, the week is winding down in um, Washington. But folks, nothing has stopped happening. <laughs> I, every, you Just when you think it's all done, you know, we're complete. Everything ugly and bad that can happen, it's out. Something else comes out. Real quickly, want to make a, just a, a point to something that very few are th- even thinking about. How do you think the Russian people, the Russian media, how do you think they responded to the summit in Geneva between their president and our president this week? Well, I, um, overnight I thought I'd check that out. Both the Kremlin and Russian state media, they're celebrating the meeting. I don't even want to call it a summit because it really wasn't. They're celebrating it, particularly for Putin's agenda and his hope to assert dominance on the world stage. This, that what you just heard me say, that's what they're bragging about, the Kremlin and the Russian state media. They 
have a spokesman over there. You've seen and heard him several times, Dmitry Peskov. Anytime you talk about Russia anything, and there's a story out there, he's going to weigh in. Well, he had repeatedly batted down suggestions that this summit would yield substantive results for either world leader. Dramatically changed his tune yesterday when he proclaimed, tremendous work was done. <laughs> it's funny, different perspectives in the pap- different ways people respond to things, isn't it? Both Putin and Biden agreed to restore ambassadors to their respective embassies. That was a big deal. A major victory for Putin, however. Why? Well, prior to a mass expulsion under Donald Trump in 2018, Russia used its embassy and its consulates as espionage hubs. And as diplomats, the ambassadors and their staffs were nothing more than spies. This remains a common Russian practice. It has been for decades, and it's going to continue that way. And it's not just with us. It's around the world. Biden also agreed to support those Minsk, M-I-N-S-K, agreements. What are they? Well, it's a set of really poorly executed deals meant to end the Russia-fueled war in eastern Ukraine, which one expert told Russian news agency TASS, he said that that represents a major achievement for guess who? Vladimir Putin. Now, Biden got no significant concessions from Putin in the meeting. But he insisted the summit was a success when the reporters, his own reporters, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, when they when they pressed Biden, he admitted his term was there was no kumbaya moment. Then he began to berate the reporters for asking negative questions. It was a benign question if it was going to be responded with good things, evidence of things that were good for the U.S., Biden would have thought that was a positive question because he knows it stunk. (laughs) He goes after the people asking the questions, not about facts. It's all emotion. Those two, Biden and Putin, they did issue a brief joint statement following the meeting, celebrating that And here's from the statement. Even in periods of tension, our two countries are able to make progress on our shared goals of ensuring predictability in the strategic sphere, reducing the risk of armed conflicts and the threat of nuclear war. Boy, that sounds very, um, um, very presidential, doesn't it? The statement applauded Biden's concession of a five-year extension of the new START treaty which limits nuclear development. Evidence shows Putin has repeatedly violated the treaty. They don't even try to hide that they have. They've got more nukes now than we do. At least, we think so. We don't have a clue. Former President Donald Trump refused to extend that treaty without including China. That's a big check mark for Russia, folks. Putin and Biden also promised to embark together on a dialogue. I'm, I'm not going to go any further down this daisy chain. Our mainstream media, even though they got thumped by the president, oh man, he was all over them, all negative or whatever, so much so that when he got in the limo, obviously on the way back to the airport to Air Force One, his minions told him, Mr. President, you shouldn't have gone so hard on that 
female reporter that asked you those questions when you were leaving that press conference because it made you look bad. It made you look like you're mean. It made you look like, you know, the perception that we all painted of the person Donald Trump was. Oh my gosh, we don't want anybody to think you're like Donald Trump. And I promise you that's the only reason he said anything on the tarmac. He apologized. And then he began to explain why he said and responded the way he did. Bottom line is, folks, that was a fiasco for the United States. And it made us and it made our president look really, really bad. And let me tell you what else has come out of that that just came out overnight. You know, it's interesting. When bad news is bad news for this whoever is in the White House, and even it was this way with Donald Trump, the media have this thing, they'll wait till usually afternoon on Friday to report on it if it makes their guy in the White House look bad because everybody turns the TV and radio off when it comes to news stuff sometime on Friday. Why do you do that? Think about it. You don't want to spend your entire weekend listening to and thinking about political stuff that you listened to and thought about all that week. I mean, come on, we got to have a day or two off, right? Well, hold on, folks. You're not going to believe this. In the wake of all of this, in the wake of everything that has been on the front page headlines almost daily in the United States about our energy jobs going away, the cancellation of the XL pipeline, cancellation of those federal oil and gas leases from which billions of dollars, tax revenue to states and the federal government itself come from and have for many, many years, and he canceled all of those. Those have dominated our headlines, and we said on day one, January 20th, when Joe Biden swore his oath of office and became president of the United States, we told you he's going to do cancel the permit of the XL pipeline. And within just a few days, our cost of gasoline and diesel at the pump is going to go up. And it's going to start rising. It will continue to rise because by doing that, he's going to force our energy resources to be diminished because the oil and gas companies in the United States, they all rely on the transportation of oil and gas to the ports to distribute around the United States. And folks, we never just produced oil and gas for ourselves. It was sent overseas, wasn't it? We told you that was going to be a feather in the cap of people like all of the OPEC states, all those Arab nations, and Russia that produces a lot of oil and a lot of gas. And then when Joe Biden, he green-lighted the completion of that gas pipeline from Russia to Germany to feed Northern Europe and Western Europe with gas coming from Russia instead of them having to get it from overseas places like uh, uh, the United States of America. Listen to what's happened. Russian oil imports set a new record here. (laughs) I'm not talking about over there. I'm talking about here. Did you get that? Russian 
oil imports have set a new record to the United States. Industry experts believe the Biden administration's climate policies are going to make our country even more dependent on foreign oil producers. I don't care what anybody says. Wind energy, electric cars, none of that is going to happen in the next 20 years to replace. There's no capability to replace natural gas and oil products here in the United States. It's physically impossible. And all of this noise that you get, that you hear about climate change and renewable energy, it's impossible. It is impossible to do it at a pace that makes it even remotely even possible to reach the level of the energy requirements of our nation. If it's ever going to be possible, they're going to have to revise and refine the methodology of like these solar energy panels. They can't produce enough electricity. Five years ago, when they first began to really get serious about it, during the the Obama administration and Joe Biden, and the environmentalists, they began to tout it as this is the next great thing. This is what we got to do. That bad natural gas and that bad oil and carbon fuel is evil and all that kind of stuff. They began to beat the drum, which they'd been beating it before, but they found a couple of advocates in the White House that really liked the idea. And so there was an analysis done to transition. Now, this is just solar energy piece of this. This is not wind turbine stuff. It's just solar energy. To produce enough fuel, enough electricity, enough fuel to fuel just the western half of the United States. And when I say western half, I'm talking about Mississippi River, north and south, everything on the west side of it. To just take care of the electrical requirements Every square inch of ground in that western half of the United States would be required to have above it a solar panel. And that that obviously was based on the electrical requirements then, not now. And our energy requirements go up every year. So what does this mean? What is this going to look like? The U.S. imported record levels of crude oil from Russia beginning in March. Now, October a year ago, remember this, October a year ago, last month of the Trump presidency, it was announced for the first time in over two decades, the United States is energy independent. We did not have to import oil from anybody. In fact, we were selling our oil and gas internationally. Had plenty of of our own. For our requirements. Imports of crude oil and other petroleum products from Russia reached 22.9 billion barrels, million barrels in March. That's the highest level since August of 2010. Now that's not according to us, that's according to that very prestigious and always accurate IEA, you remember them, the International Energy Agency, 
Of the total amount, crude oil imports from Russia stood at 6.1 million barrels back then. Russia has become the third largest oil exporter to the United States. Last month, we saw a record five and three quarter million barrels of Russian crude discharged in the U.S. We're projecting a further record this month of seven and a half million barrels. That's according to Clipper data. Critics argue Biden's climate agenda is hard on the U.S. oil industry, you think? But soft on foreign producers, you think? (laughs) It's disturbing to our industry that the Biden administration goes out of its way to disadvantage the American producer while building up the Iranian and Russian industries. Biden's doing a great job for them, folks. The spike in Russian oil imports came after a misguided climate policy group of this administration. Think about it. Included the Keystone XL pipeline. Pausing moratorium on those new oil and natural gas permitting on public lands and waters. Biden has tipped us into oil dependence on Russia just a year, less than a year, October last year after we became completely independent. U.S. West Texas crude surpassed, it went over $70 a barrel this week. That's the highest level in over two years. The top commodity traders, do you know what those are? Commodities are things that aren't stocks, but they're tangible things that uh, people use, and they trade it on the stock market. There's actually a stock market in Chicago that that's all they trade are commodities. Oil and gas or among those things. And these are the people that look ahead. When you buy and sell options on stocks or commodities, you deal with people that are projecting a perceived value at some future date. So these are the experts. They can look and see based on trends and economic things going on in nations. They can project a probable level of pricing of any of these commodities, other commodities included gold, oil, all kinds of precious metals, feed, grain, all those things are traded, and futures. In other words, you buy based on your thought and your belief that the price of these commodities at that future date goes up or goes down. They're saying, listen to this, they're saying they believe oil prices could see a hundred dollars per barrel. They didn't give a timeline, but they said very soon. And you know what they based that projection on? Because of supply constraints. Uh-oh. There's the truth of this entire thing. Yeah, Joe Biden had a great meeting with Vladimir Putin. Don't you think Vladimir Putin patted him on the back, shook his hand, maybe whispered and said, thank you. Thank you for canceling the XL pipeline. Well, why would that help Russia, Dan? Well, you know what the XL pipeline's all about? It begins up in Canada. That's where it started. And it was to open up those massive gas and oil reserves in southern Canada, giving them a new and much more productive and cost-effective route to transport that oil and gas that comes out of their ground to get it to the market. You know where they have to take it now. There's no place close to central Canada, believe me. (laughs) 
you got to go to the West Coast, Vancouver up there, or you got to go to the East Coast around Montreal and even east of Montreal. That's a long way and it's very expensive. So what the XL Pipeline was created to do was give them a, a quick access to get it straight down through the heart of the United States to our biggest shipping ports of carbon energy. The Gulf Coast, Houston, New Orleans. Great seaports there and great infrastructure already in place. That's where most of the oil that's produced in the United States goes to. Even that continental oil line pipeline, you know, the one that was hacked and shut down. It ran or it runs from the ports of New Orleans and the ports of Houston up to the east coast of the United States to send gas and fuel up there. So what are the Canadians going to do? Where and how are they going to get their oil and gas to markets now? Without the XL pipeline, they got to go east or west. They're going to go west. And you know why? The biggest oil and gas market in the world is China. Grab your globe and look at how close it is from the west coast of Canada to the east coast of China. Supply supply they're projecting is going to drive the cost of gas and oil the price of oil to a hundred dollars a barrel due to supply constraints joe biden's constraining the amount of energy carbon energy we have to use ourselves or to transmit around the world he's doing that right now so if OPEC, who you know has for years, they've controlled the price of oil and gas. And they do it by restricting and opening up their spigots for the amount of oil they put into the marketplace around the world. Prices are controlled by supply and demand. And when demand goes up, but the supply is constrained by whomever for whatever reasons, and if you're like uh, the leader of Russia, as an example, or one of these Iraqi Saudi princes, all those oil producing countries over there, if they get a hair in their brain about the United States and they want to do something to us or for us to hurt us, they got two possibilities. They can raise the price of oil through the roof or they could shut the spigot off and really hurt us, which is also going to raise the price of oil through the roof. And now, Joe Biden put another big player on the world stage, and very few will even discuss it, because it makes Joe Biden look bad. It makes his economic policies look bad. Meanwhile, guess who pays the price? Not Joe Biden. He doesn't pay to gas up Air Force One or that big limo he drives. Kamala Harris doesn't pay anything to gas up Air Force Two. <laughs> you and I do. I can't even imagine to think what it costs to fly either one of those from anywhere in the United States to anywhere in the United States, yet alone to these foreign countries. That's just one little, it's not even one percent, it's not even one-tenth of one percent of our energy consumption and our energy needs in the United States, but yet you and I 
are going to pay the price for whatever reason or reasons Joe Biden has made these horrible decisions right off the top of becoming president of the United States. That's not very good, folks, and you, you're already paying for it. It's a buck, a little over a dollar a gallon more expensive here at the pump than it was the day he was inaugurated president. And he's not paying that price. You and I are. Hey, it's Friday. You want to share this conversation, feel free. Give us a call, 866-37-TRUTH. That's toll-free, 866-378-7884. We've got some new CRT things to discuss. What does that stand for? Critical race theory. We've got a lot of other very contentious things, some good, some bad, but very contentious things to talk about, like the Supreme Court. They actually weighed in with two biggies yesterday. And one's good and one's bad, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Uh, You'll have to make that determination. And we've got some other big things going on down at our southern border. And we finally, we finally found out who's in charge of everything at the southern border. We just thought that it was Vice President Kamala Harris. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to straighten you out. We're going to let you listen to the person who is in charge, what they have to say. So just buckle in. Get another cup of coffee. Back. We're going to get started right after this at TNN Live. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement Park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by the sad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. I was thinking during the the break. Um, yeah, 
it, we all have our own opinions about everything. I mean, I've, I've always said this. We have something in common. Every one of us have an opinion. <laughs> all of us have an opinion, and if it's uh, about very public things and things that are talked about a lot, that means everybody's got an opinion and usually takes sides on things. We're going to get into the critical race theory stuff in just a moment where that really weighs heavily in what we are facing. You may not know you're facing it, but you are. Your kids are. You're facing it in your business. Even if you own your company, you're facing it. Critical race theory. We're going to get into that in a minute. But have you wondered how a lot of different big-name, well-known, well-educated, very involved people who watch American politics, what they think about the job that this government, led by Joe Biden, top to bottom in his administration, how they're doing at this point, less than, let's see, February, March, April, May, June, five months into this administration. Can you believe we've only been governed by President Biden for five months? It seems like five years to me. But nevertheless, Somebody that we turn to who I will never say she is impartial, but what I will say is she's truthful and always evidentiary in everything she has to present to her viewers. I'm talking about Laura Ingram on Fox News. She gave us a very good summation of all of the factual stuff from that Geneva summit between Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden. And so before we get into, oh, the Supreme Court stuff and the border crisis stuff, the new stuff, before we get into that, I thought it would be good for you as a summation of this week. And that was one of the very, very big things that happened for the United States this week, the Biden-Putin summit. I thought I should let you hear the analysis of that from Laura Ingram. Joe don't know. That's the focus of tonight's angle. There's simply no way to spin it at this point. President Biden's first foreign trip was an unmitigated disaster. Even Jill's goofy jacket couldn't save it. Time Magazine's stupid cover couldn't frame it. And Biden himself, well, he couldn't explain it. So he reverted to tedious aphorisms. As that old expression goes, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Proof is in the pudding? Oh, I'd never heard that before. (laughs) If there was any doubt about what a complete flop this was, well, that doubt was erased after Biden emerged from his three-hour meeting with Vladimir Putin. Well, he had a total meltdown with his own comms shop. Oh, sorry, I meant the U.S. press corps. Shockingly, Caitlin Collins posed a common sense question. In other words, she was trying to get at what incentive is there for Putin to stop cyber attacks on the United States? Well, the answer, of course, is zero under Joe Biden because Biden speaks softly 
and carries the equivalent of a big foam pool noodle. <laughs> There's no there there, and everyone knows it. Because even if you're a rank partisan, you see that these meetings require real expertise because there are real consequences to being outmaneuvered, which Biden was. What concrete evidence do you have from these three, year, hour, three plus hours that, that suggests that any movement has been made? And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that. No, 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 He's been in Washington since Leonid Brezhnev was the leader of the USSR, and he's now just realizing that the media like to kick the, kick the hornet's nest every now and again. Plus, let's not forget that, what is it, 99.9% .9 of the reporters on that tarmac voted for Biden and practically campaigned for him and then masqueraded as reporting about him. Now, forget apologizing to CNN. Biden should have apologized to the American people. Biden rolled over for the Europeans, and today he let Vladimir Putin run circles around him, right down to Putin's using Democrat talking points about America's race and crime problem. In American cities, every day people are killed. That includes leaders of various organizations. But you can't say a word about it. You, you, you don't have the time to say a word and somebody's killed. You know, I, I, remember, I, I remember that uh, somebody ran away and was shot in the back, for example. Well, I guess Joe and Vlad, they did agree on one thing. America's systemically racist, right? Well, the fact is, any honest observer knows that if anyone knows even a tiny bit about foreign affairs, has to concede that this entire trip ended up being a complete waste of time and government resources. I was thinking about this today. Next time, we should just save everybody's time and just send a notary over there to sign whatever documents Europe puts in front of us. Oh, we'll be done. But remember, this has always been the Joe Biden that we knew and some of you came to love. He's always been more interested in being pals with people than ever making waves, even when making waves is what's required to deliver results for the American people. Remember, even before the summit began, it was obvious that Biden was just no match for the former KGB intel officer. It's one thing calling Putin a killer when the guy's 5,000 miles away in the Kremlin. But what about face-to-face? -face? Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? <laughs> to answer the first question, <laughs> I'm laughing too. They actually, I... Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that... Uh, uh, That was just excruciating, and it gets worse every time you watch it. He also picked up that annoying laugh reflex that Harris has whenever she's asked a hard question. This whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. <laughs> Open borders are so funny. Well, tonight, America is not laughing. Joe Biden is incapable of sitting across the table from any competent world leader, and he's certainly not able to convince him to change his mind on any significant issue. 
In the lead up to this trip, the White House took great pains, though, to remind everyone that Biden would be turning the page on the Trump's America first approach. Things would go back to normal, pundits gleefully pronounced, where we work with the world community and don't sit around just thumping our chests. But the fact is, in international negotiations, effective leaders always work to advance and safeguard their own country's national interests. Until now, at least. Laura Ingram, Fox News. A great analysis. <laughs> I would say not a political analysis, but an objective analysis of the outcome, at least so far, of the trip to Geneva. And remember, Joe didn't start there. He went to Ireland first. Um, and then he went to Brussels. And then he went to Geneva. He had a big trip. I wonder if he took his pillow with him. <laughs> he normally turns in early. Now, he's not a late-nighter anymore. He gets his sleep. He gets his Z's. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the ranch here at TNN Live, Northwest Louisiana, life goes on and we deal with new things, new roadblocks. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes bad things happen. But we're Americans. We can get through it all, can't we? Supreme Court, as I said, going into the break, busy week for them. Yesterday, they upheld the Obamacare law. And they did that by dismissing, dismissing the challenge from several states. Now, this is interesting. If you listen to the left, the big broadcast networks, their news operations, and CNN, MSNBC, or New York Times or Washington Post, you're going to hear that the Supreme Court summarily made it very clear Obamacare is legal. Well, what they did was they kept it alive yesterday. They ruled in a 7-2 decision that Texas and 17 other states, plus two individuals, lacked standing to challenge its constitutionality. Now, wait a minute, Dan. These networks, these newspapers are saying Supreme Court said Affordable Care Act's a great thing. They didn't weigh in at all on any of that. They didn't weigh in on the merits of the case. They didn't even consider the case. They just simply said, Texas, 17 other states, two individuals, you don't have a right to bring a case to us. So, bah, take it, take it away. Now, the states had argued the law's individual mandate, that it was unconstitutional once it no longer carried a penalty, because it had been justified, remember, as falling under the congressional power of taxation. And they also claimed that the rest of the law couldn't survive without that mandate. And oh, by the way, the mandate was taken away, so their case was it's no longer constitutional. Supreme Court didn't even weigh in on that. But anyway, Obamacare is still with us, and it's going to be with us for a while. For some of us, that's good. For some of us, it's bad. But I'll guarantee it is not good for the health care system of the United States. The other Supreme Court case from yesterday, this one, it's shocked a lot of people. The Supreme Court, they sided with Catholic foster agencies that exclude same-sex couples. Now, that was a big deal. And the vote was unanimous, folks, nine to nothing. The court sided unanimously with a Catholic foster agency 
that had a dispute against the city of Philadelphia over whether it should be banned from participating in the city's foster care program simply because it excludes same-sex couples. The group is called Catholic Social Services. Here's what they claim, quote, Philadelphia's attempts to exclude the Catholic Church from foster care violated the First Amendment. Lawyers for the city, meanwhile, said that Catholic Social Services lacks a constitutional right to demand that the DHS offer it a contract that omits the same non-discrimination requirements every other care agency, foster care agency, must follow when performing services for the city of Philadelphia. Nine to nothing, the justices sided with Catholic Social Services. So, how did they get there? Well, here's what they said. The official verdict, I guess, of the opinion. Quote, Catholic Social Services seeks only an accommodation that will allow it to continue serving the children of Philadelphia in a manner consistent with its religious beliefs. It does not seek to impose those beliefs on anyone else. Now, the majority opinion this is from was penned by Chief Justice John Roberts, which surprises a lot of folks. Of late, he's come down in almost every case on the leftist side. He continued, The refusal of Philadelphia to contract with CSS for the provision of foster care services unless it agrees to certify same-sex couples as foster parents, cannot survive strict scrutiny and violates the First Amendment. Wow. Roberts, joined by Justices Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett herself wrote a concurring opinion to it. And that one was joined fully by Brett Kavanaugh and partially by Breyer. It says this, as the court's opinion today explains, the government contracted issue provides for individualized exemptions from its non-discrimination rule, thus triggering strict scrutiny. This is Amy Coney Barrett that wrote that. And all nine justices agreed the city can't satisfy strict scrutiny. How about that? Does that surprise you that that would come down that way? In the context of some of the verdicts that have been rendered by this court, it really did surprise me. I felt like it would stand. I knew it was pending. But I felt like the challenge would stand, but I thought it would be 5-4. But it was 9 to nothing? Let me tell you why it was 9 to nothing. It's constitutional. (laughs) The First Amendment. Freedom of religion. The government. No government. State city, federal, has any constitutional right to take away or abridge the religious freedoms of anyone. And let's face it, folks, the Catholic Church, the Catholic doctrine, it's very plain. Doesn't believe in same-sex marriage, so why would it be okay to force a Catholic that has the position of giving out a licensing that would involve parenting for kids, how could it be okay for that agency or any agency to force 
against the religion of the very agency that is bringing in foster parents for these kids to force them to do something just to serve the kids that goes against their religion. That's not American. One of the biggest reasons why our forefathers fought and came over here and fought to give us independence was to give us freedom of religion. Everybody. And it was structured such that the government, no government can cram any religious belief down any free person's throat. And that's what this would be. Good for the Supreme Court. I know. I love that. Now let me ask you this. Do you want to go to another break or do you want to go to the southern border? Why don't we go to the southern border? Alejandro Mayorkas. You hear him all the time. You know he is the Secretary of Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security. And he's Biden, guys. He's Biden's guy. He makes it very, very clear. I work for the president. I work for the vice president. Well, he he was in a hearing yesterday. And, of course, hearings now and almost every hearing on every issue, they become even more contentious than they have many times in the past because everything is split right down the middle. You either are in the tank for it or you're in the tank against it. And so when people come in and they're testifying regarding the operation of different departments of the government, which all belong to the American people, not to anybody other than the people, government of, by, and for the people, you know that thing. That's what Biden calls it, that thing. Um, and so, obviously, Republicans are asking questions of Biden's heads of department and agencies. That would be Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, I want you to listen very closely to the secretary of the DHS, how he answers questions that are being asked by one Republican member of this committee, Alejandro Mayorkas, before the House. Secretary, uh, can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you, Congressman. Um, Have you ever had a medical physical? Congressman, uh, I have, and that's, um, of course I have, and that's a uh, quite a a private question to pose to me. Do they, when you had the medical physical, I'm not talking about what they found, but did they physically get you in the office, talk to you, see what's going on, uh, and was that effective? Yes, sir. Okay. Why then would the leader of this country and the vice president not want to go physically look at the border, uh, talk to the border patrol agents that you say you want to try to recruit. Why, if it applies in so many other fields, why does it not apply with this? And in fact, is it fair if you had a doctor that laughed at you, uh, as the vice president did when asked to come, come to the border, uh, how, can you comment on that? Does that make sense? I most you? certainly I, I most certainly uh, can. Uh, I consider that question uh, to be um, uh, quite unfair and disrespectful. And let me be very clear. Uh, the president and the vice president have requested and directed me to visit the border, which I have done on multiple uh, occasions. And I'd like to um, I'd like to cite uh, to my exchange with ranking member Katko uh, with respect to my work as a federal prosecutor. Uh, and uh, the direction uh, that I provided uh, to state and local law enforcement, to federal investigators, to um, 
uh, to visit uh, particular scenes. Well, I they directed. Uh, I'm sorry if I may if I may finish. No, I'm reclaiming my time. You you if, made the statement. You made the statement. I, I, I'm sorry. I made, must, I'm reclaiming my time. You made the statement that my question was unfair. I'm making the statement that your comments are just words and they're very unfair. I ask you a simple question, and I would like for you just to a answer simply. Uh, is it, does it make sense for the leaders of the free world to go and to, to talk to and see what's going on at the border? You didn't answer it with, with Mr. Katko. And all I'm saying is we don't want words. We don't want we want actions. And when you say you're trying to hire Border Patrol agents, where's the money? We, we have, Congressman, uh, the funds to hire Border Patrol agents to fill the vacancies, number one. Number two, I am the Secretary of Homeland Security. And it is my responsibility um, uh, to manage uh, the border at the direction of the president and the vice president. And I have visited the border on multiple occasions. Have you talked to the border patrol agents? And number three. Have you talked to the border patrol agents? And number three. And have you spoken with the border patrol agents? I most certainly have. I most certainly have. And number three, if I may, um, the vice president served as the attorney general of a border state of California. And she is quite familiar uh, with the situation on the border. I but she's laughing her. She has not been there. Hey, I'm my time, Secretary Marocas. Uh, I've got a limited, I've got a limited amount of time. Untrue. She's laughing at it. When you absolutely say it's an insult, it's an insult. We're claiming my time for you to say that you're looking at the border wall and, and looking at it when you're not all what do you have to look at you're not building it when you say technology what i've heard how effective once the million to two million people are in this country illegally how effective is technology going to be to root them out and to find out who they are when you don't know who's coming in in the first place uh Simple congressman, question. congressman question. the factual premise of your question is inaccurate okay so you just um and uh, technology is proven to be an effective force multiplier. How about stopping them from coming in the first place? How about knowing who's coming in the country? Is that not common sense? We It is a multi-pronged uh, uh, effort, and we do that as well. Multi-pronged. Wow. Multi-pronged. It's like all the other words. It's basically you're not doing anything because uh, the numbers don't lie, Secretary Mayorkas, unless you dispute the 180,000 that came last month, as opposed to the in the previous administration, 20,000 the same month in 2020. Now, once they're in the country, it's hard to get them back out. The Border Patrol agents we talk with, you know why they're demoralized? They're changing diapers. Uh, and you will not take the, the necessary steps to stop it. You can say you are, uh, but in the 74-page budget this, this administration's put out, you know how many times border is mentioned? Not once. You know how many times... Climate is mentioned 54 times. It's not a priority. I'm just telling you this is a crisis. Uh, I would invite you. We're going for a second time. Many uh, many have been far more. We're going for a second time. We would invite you to come talk to the agents. Talk to see the children that are put with. you got two and three-year-olds. Gentlemen's time has expired. That back and forth speaks volumes about why and what is happening at our southern border and the reasons why. I mean, you can't make those things up, folks. You heard it from the secretary's own mouth. Um, he's the boss. He serves totally at the whim of the president and the vice president. And he just thumbed his nose at the members of Congress. The ones that ponied up, 
$5 billion in the Trump administration to complete the border wall, $5 billion. And it was signed into law. Congress allocated it, folks. And this president is illegally diverting what was left of that $5 billion that was allocated by Congress to build the wall. He's diverting it. And how is he spending the money? You're not going to believe this. Two little tidbits, two little nuggets that we dug out in the last 24 hours. First of all, Biden is allowing Central American economic migrants, a new term there, who have pending asylum claims, not just approved claims, but they're pending for a judge to either give them asylum or say no and tell them to go back to their countries of origin. So Biden is allowing them to have the State Department fly their families on the American taxpayer dime to live with them in the U.S. until their asylum claims are adjudicated. On Tuesday, they announced the major expansion of a program that would allow many of these young people into the country legally. Part of its stated goal is to increase legal pathways for immigration. Now, what does this mean, folks? What does it mean? Let me just cut to the chase. This is the Los Angeles Times that revealed this. The changes could boost the number of Salvadoran, Guatemalan, and Honduran children joining their families in the U.S. from several hundred to tens of thousands. This in-country processing, it's already started. We're two days into it. It's happening right now. We are flying their parents, their brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles on our tax dollar, bringing them to the United States. Is this the most obnoxious, unbelievable thing that you have heard? It gets deeper. We're going to dive deeper in just a second. But just consider what all of that means. What happens when they land in the United States? We bought them plane tickets. You think we're just going to let them walk out the door of an airport, airplane, not have a place to go, not have a way to eat? We're paying for hotels. We're paying for food. We're giving them money. We're giving them cash cards. Has anybody told you the truth of that? Any illegal that comes in at the southern border or is brought in by Border Patrol agents or any other office in the Department of Homeland Security, they're giving them a cash card. It's basically an ATM card loaded with your money, taxpayer dollars. And there are varying amounts, but the typical amount for a family that comes in is a cash card with each card holding $1,600. So put that in perspective. Somebody comes in here and files an asylum claim. It hadn't been approved. It's just a claim. It hasn't even been adjudicated. So all they have to do is log in, whoever this illegal is at the border, file that claim, immediately 
hand them the names and the addresses and the phone numbers of their immediate family members and Mayorkas's Department of Homeland Security get on the phone, coordinate transportation up from wherever that is, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and we buy them plane tickets. Everybody in the family, bring them here, and we pay for them to stay here. All the time, their asylum claims are waiting to be heard. Do you know, historically, for any of these illegals that have been doing this for years, filing for asylum, do you know that less than 5% of those asylum claims are ever granted? So put that in perspective. You've got... You've got tens of thousands of family members now that Joe Biden and his crew flew up here on your tax dollars, put them in hotels on your tax dollars, gave them food on your tax dollars, guarantees them health care on your tax dollars, gives them ATM cards each loaded with 1600 of your tax dollars, and the judge in more than 95% of those cases says, Bam! Asylum claim. Not approved. What happens to those family members? What does our government do with them now? Did you hear any part of this story from the Los Angeles Times? Don't think for a second they didn't ask the question. What happens now? Well, in most situations at this point, of course, none of this has happened yet, But I would imagine the Biden administration is going to find a way to let them stay on an interim basis. Can you believe this? And we've got another Biden administration unbelievable occurrence that we just happened to uncover. I got to cool off a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty angry right now, can you tell? Let's take a break. We'll have that for you in just a couple of minutes at TNN Live. How can we say when you book direct at choicehotels.com, you always get the lowest price in our rooms, guaranteed? Let's get someone to say it with a really low voice. Carl? Lowest price, guaranteed. What about the world's lowest limbo stick? How low can you go? Nice one, Carl. Hey, I've got an idea. Just say, bada book, bada boom. Bada book, bada boom. Nice. Always the lowest price, guaranteed. Book now at choicehotels.com. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. 
Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price of participation may vary. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. Wow. I, um, I don't know that we're facing a tsunami of ignorance so much as we are facing a tsunami of hard-left political concepts of power and control. And I think that's what we're seeing. This next thing that we're going to talk about that I uh, teased going into the break there, you got you to gotta think through this entire thing and the importance of it. I'll start by asking you this. Do you have any idea what having one more Republican in the Senate than we have now, just one more, one more, how things would have changed in our nation in just these first five months of this administration. Let me illustrate that. Now, you're probably going to get angry about this. Remember, they're, they're dealing with presidential appointees and nominations, people in various cabinets and agencies in the United States government that are nominated by the presidential administration. All of those have to be approved after hearings are held in the United States Senate. You remember not long ago, there was a very, very controversial person being considered for one of those spots. That is the chief of the Civil Regulation Division of the Attorney General's Office, the Department of Justice. And the the woman that was nominated has a very speckled past, very questionable as far as capability and nonpartisanship. Her name, Vanita Gupta. So guess what? Vanita Gupta announced yesterday. You're just not going to believe this. We are now, we are now, as of yesterday, offering citizenship to migrants who claim, not are, but claim they are fleeing spousal abuse or local crime, justifying their fleeing to the United States. I'm going to say that again. We are now offering citizenship to migrants who claim they are fleeing spousal abuse or local crime in their nations. Today's, this is yesterday, today's decision is going to lead to tens of thousands of meritless asylum claims, if not hundreds of thousands, in the months and years ahead. That was said by Gene Hamilton. He is the vice president at the America First legal nonprofit law firm and is a former top official in Donald Trump's DOJ. He continued, generalized crime in other countries has never been a legitimate basis for asylum under the laws passed by Congress. Despite the best efforts of advocates and radicals during the Obama administration to provide otherwise. This, of course, is part of a bigger plan, 
under this administration that involves the Department of Homeland Security granting asylum along the border to anybody who comes from a country with higher general crime rates than are found in the United States. That's all it takes now, folks. And not only are we allowing them to come in, we're giving them citizenship. The Biden administration will deport roughly 0% of those who do not qualify for asylum. These new meritless cases will lead to delay relief for legitimate asylees, and these radical decisions will ensure open borders for as long as they remain in effect. And the American people deserve better. This supports the Biden administration's policy of extracting a lot of migrant workers, consumers, and renters from poor countries and doing it now by a series of legal loopholes in the nation's very complex immigration laws that can only be changed by the United States Congress, and yet they won't do it. Why won't they do it? This is not just a Democrat deal, folks. It's a government deal. There are people from both sides of the political aisle who make a lot of money from illegal immigration. Lots of big industries make a lot of money. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? Well, first of all, if they're illegal, that means they're not going to have to withhold payroll taxes, Social Security employer matching and Medicare matching payroll deductions, and you can pay them and hide it if you pay them with cash. And so it's going to save you from having to pay them And they'll be willing to work for less money because they're not going to be paying taxes. Of course, that's illegal. But think about the agriculture community. Think about it from top to bottom. Think about the southwest of the United States, the southern part of the United States. Lots of agriculture. Nobody is willing to step up and enforce the rule of law Why? Because there are so many egregious laws there. They're unfair. They're unhumane. We can't treat people this way. Okay, change the laws. Well, the Democrats say, well, the Republicans, they won't give us enough. They won't sit down at the table and agree enough with us that we can pass new laws or amend old ones. And the Republicans say, we're not going to sit down and listen to the drivel. They just won't open borders. And everybody just agrees to disagree. And then we also benignly agree, hey, Department of Justice, Immigration, ICE, don't prosecute these people. Let them in. Let them in. This is all. I got to be honest with you. Any president that allows this to happen without confronting it, without making people in his Department of Justice and making federal law enforcement at every level to abide by the laws that he swore an oath to should be impeached and removed from office. This is not an example of government of the people, government by the people, and government for the people. This is an example of a small group of powerful sycophants taking authoritarian rule over an entire nation, ignoring the laws passed by the people's representatives constitutionally, 
ignoring the process of needing to change and adjust, do away with some of those, add some different ones to make it all legal under the rule of law, that constitutional thing. Just ignore all that. We're just going to do what's best for us. Well, what determines and who determines what's best for us as a nation? Well, you elected us. Just sit down and shut up and let us do what we know is best for everybody. This is a prime example. The one that we told you about before the break. Flying the family members of illegals that are making a claim for asylum hadn't been adjudicated. Making the claim the claim hasn't even been filed yet. They they've notified Border Patrol we're making an asylum claim. Now you're flying their parents, their uncles and aunts. And if they left their kids, if these are adults and they left their kids back home, flying them up to be with mom and dad. Everybody's going to be a family. We're going to give you a hotel room or two. We're going to feed you free health care. We'll even put you in our schools while your kids are up here waiting for this slow Department of Justice process. We don't have enough judges at the southern border. It may be years before we get your case adjudicated. That's happening every day. It's been happening that way every day since big-time illegal immigration began at the southern border. Don't let anybody tell you that this administration wants legal immigration because it's obvious they don't care about that. They don't need it. They believe in open borders. There's no country on planet Earth, not one, not one, folks, that has open borders. Why is that? Why do you think that we, our government, that this Democratic administration and many, many, many leaders at state and local levels, why do you think so many people want this to happen? It's never happened effectively anywhere else on Earth. Why would they think that for some reason they are so highly, much more intelligent Every leader in every other country on planet Earth doesn't allow it to happen. That it'll work here. That, my friends, is the definition of insanity. So they're bragging about it in Washington, is this administration. This administration is working to establish lawful pathways for individuals to migrate or seek protection. This comes from a June 15th statement titled Action the Biden-Harris Administration Has Taken to Address the Border Challenge. (laughs) Here's what this statement says. They announced the availability of 6,000 temporary non-agricultural worker or H2P visas for nationals from Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala for fiscal year 2021. They reopened the Central American Minors Program to reunite children who are nationals of El Salvador, Guatemala, or Honduras with their parents here in the U.S. They resumed interviewing individuals through the protection transfer arrangement. Uh, 
to expand protection for vulnerable nationals from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. And they opened the first migration resource center in Guatemala to provide individuals with protection screenings and referrals to asylum, refugee resettlement, and parole options. All of this, everything you just heard, they're bragging about it. They're advertising this. They're waving flags. The border's open. The border's open. Come up here. We'll give you plane tickets to come up here and join your illegal family members that are already here. We're going to take care of you when you get here. We're going to give you a visa. And it comes with a pathway to citizenship. The Biden administration is participating in predatory colonialism to benefit these U.S. employers and these big commercial investors. They're pilfering that population and they're just dropping them off in the United States and giving them a work permit. What a great novel idea. So the illegal delivery of workers and consumers to our nation, plugging them into our our economy, it drains the economies of those Central American countries. They're taking Central Americans who could be changing things for the better in their home countries if they really do want to work, they want to come here and work. Why not give them jobs in their own countries? Leaving them, who's going to take the jobs that they would have down there? What they are doing with these policies is they are collapsing the economies of those three countries. It's happening now, and it's going to continue to happen. Now, this White House statement they put out, it doesn't address the damage to our, you know, Americans, our opportunities, our wages, our rents, our productivity. Oh, by the way, that little thing that's kind of important, the status of our political system. Instead, it reframes this crazy migration as a threat to the migrants that could best be resolved by more federal support to the migrants. Throw money after the problem. That's the Democrat way. You got a problem? Spend more money on it. (laughs) Make it bigger. Oh, by the way, if you fix it, that's an accident. You didn't plan for it. So far, just a few Republican politicians have recognized this strategy behind the White House's immigration strategy, which is led by that brain surgeon you heard with Laura, uh, with that representative in the House, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of DHS. At a June 17th hearing, that was yesterday, folks, you heard that crazy Mayorkas response. I want to say that the situation at the border is a crisis of epic proportions. That was said by Representative Austin Pfluger, who is a Republican from Texas. When's the last time you talked to a Customs and Border Protection Agency in El Paso or the Rio Grande Valley? Mayorkas responded, I speak to the Border Patrol multiple times every week. Mr. Secretary, those agents, are they saying the word help to you? Because that's what they're saying to me, the congressman said. Congressman Mayorkas in his normal 
you know, I'm aloof, I'm bigger, I'm better than you, I'm the boss. Congressman, we have a strategy, and we are executing that strategy. This is Mayorkas answering it. I'm confident in the strategy, and I'm confident in the budget proposal that we have submitted to Congress. John Katko, Republican from New York, he is the leading GOP member of that panel. He asked Mayorkas about diversity, cybersecurity, the increasing retirement of border agents, and Mayorkas's plans to visit the border. In March, folks, business-backed pro-migration groups helped to spend a little calm 200 grand on a campaign ad in Catco's district. In contrast to all that, the Republican Study Committee posted a policy member three days ago that urged Republicans to defend working Americans. Oh, we're forgetting about them. Working Americans, people here that are already Americans. Yeah, not everybody in America is eligible, nor does everybody in America want to be a white-collar worker. There are a bunch of people that are tickled to death. Generationally, they've grown up in it. They're very necessary to our economy. Agricultural, blue-collar workers. This administration looks down their noses at the working blue-collar class of Americans. How do I know that? Look at what they do. They're pouring these illegals into the United States in the hundreds of thousands every month. And these people, the numbers among them, that literally want to work and make a better life for themselves the honest way, they're up here and they're being given jobs. Those jobs come from somewhere, come from somebody. Largely, they come from American citizens. We believe U.S. immigration policy should be designed to first serve the interest of American citizens, families, and workers. Immigration policy should prioritize American workers, help grow our middle class, raise wages for everybody, and enhance economic opportunity for every lawful resident. That came from Jim Banks. He's the chairman of that committee, the Republican Study Committee. Mike Johnson is the vice chairman, congressman from here. You hear him on this show all the time. Federal law protects working Americans and their families. They do it by barring corporate hiring of aliens. Yet the Biden administration is shuttling many thousands of illegal aliens into the U.S. labor force. This recruitment of economic migrants is really an attack on American workers. And it's in total disregard of immigration law. I could go on and on and on and dig in, dig in, dig in. I'm not going to do that. You get the gist. This administration, folks, it is suborning lawlessness violating federal laws, willy-nilly, no constraints, no enforcement of laws that this administration's leaders don't like. It doesn't matter what it is. If we don't like it, we're not going to enforce it, and nobody else has the authority to confront us. Looking down in a non-myopic way, looking ahead, focused 
on where this mindset is going to take us. I don't know, maybe we are bigger and better and more intelligent and more enlightened than any other in every other country on earth. But every other nation in which this happens, it leads to war, revolution, overthrow, civil war, death in the streets, horrible economy, people suffering in unimaginable ways. This president, while he was campaigning, made it very clear again and again and again. He wanted to unite Americans again. He has split this nation in half, actually in thirds, because the left half of the country used to be half of the country. Now it's split in half. You've got the far left totalitarian socialists led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and then you have a handful of what used to be called moderate Democrats that used to be the consensus of the middle part of the country. It's no longer there, but they are content with further dividing Americans. There's no attempt at unity in this government. In this government, not just Democrats, not just the far left, but between parties, it's all about meism. What can I do to further what I think is best? Forget about the consensus of the people. Forget about representative republic. Forget about the majority. Oh my gosh, forget about that. If you think it's so, who are you to think that anybody else has any right to differ with your opinion. You're an individual. You have the rights to determine what are the facts. And oh, by the way, that First Amendment thing, that gives you the right to cram it down the throat of everybody else. Well, that's not a universal thing. Used to, we said, quote, anybody can say anything about anything or anybody. That First Amendment right. It gives us the right to do that. Now, uh-uh. That's not for everybody. If you are a hardcore leftist, you have that right unencumbered. But if you think different from them, sit down, shut up. We'll tell you how to think. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals... Better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey, Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. 
So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. I don't know about a cowbell. I'm not a drinker, but if I was a drinker, I'd say something stupid like, hey, I need something to drink. Bring me a stiff one. It's not 5 o'clock yet, Dan. Well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. I've heard that my whole life. I don't relate to that, but golly. I mean, thinking through and listening and experiencing all this stuff and this insanity. That's the only word you can use that I think truthfully describes what's going on. They don't care what anybody else thinks. They don't care that they are totally exposed. Well, maybe not totally. That's even scarier to think. It's worse than we are seeing. They don't care what we think about it. Their policies, they're in charge. They're almost certain, especially if they get this H.R. 1 slash S. 1 election reform bill passed through both houses. It's already passed the House. It's waiting for the Senate to do it, especially if they get that. They're confident they're going to control who's in the majority and who's in the minority in the the U.S. Congress and who's in the White House from now on. And they're, they're right. It will go that way. If H.R. 1 slash S. 1 passes and is signed into law, there's only a handful of people in the Senate that are standing in the gap for American voters, American citizens. The rest of them, they're in the tank for world citizenship, and you don't have to do anything but just listen to us. Do exactly what we say, and you're going to be an American, and you get all of the goodies that goes along with doing that. Don't have to pay a dime. Don't have to participate, contribute. Lawlessness, getting cut for it, sent away, that's not going to happen as long as you keep us in power. How do you go to sleep at night? You got to take maybe another stiff drink before you go to sleep to be able to reconcile that. One more thing about this southern border stuff I thought I'd bring to you. You know, we, we brought to you day before yesterday... Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced he's got a quarter of a billion dollars as a down payment on Texas finishing the southern border wall. There's one little caveat in that, that uh, under Donald Trump's watch, very aggressively, the U.S. government, when Congress allocated all that money to build the wall, they started taking steps to get the land along the southern border and getting the rights to the land along the southern border from private owners so they could do that. Well, there's a bunch of money that was given out to these people in preparations. A bunch of it hadn't been paid out yet. And so Governor Abbott, because it looks like the state of Texas is going to take on the financial responsibility for doing it, he wrote a letter yesterday to President Biden. It says, I write now to demand that you immediately return to Texans any land taken by the federal government but not used for building a border wall. The governor said that during the Trump administration, they used condemnation powers in several cases to obtain property along the U.S.-Mexico border that was previously owned by people in Texas. 
Abbott said that because the Biden administration has issued orders to stop former Donald Trump's orders mandating that the wall be built, Abbott's demanding the government return any of that land that was acquired from Texans and isn't being used to construct a wall. What do you think the odds of that happening are? What do you think? Do you think there's any there there? That's going to be a tough one. It really is. And I don't know what kind of leverage Texas has against the federal government, against this administration. i got to be honest. I don't know if anybody has any power when it comes to dealing with the federal government because they are just getting bigger and stronger and much more powerful every day. And almost across the board, they thumb their noses at us. Joe Biden made this statement the other day in the fallout, press questions and answers, whatever, from his thing with Putin. And he made this statement kind of being arrogant as he said it. The government doesn't have power. We give the government its power. We know that sounds pretty arrogant, but I think it's absolutely true. I don't think we give the government power in the way that the Constitution structures that it be given. That means we elect those that represent us, and that means they represent us. (laughs) I don't think that's happening in large degree. I think we give them power and authority, and they think that means unilateral, and they don't account to us for anything. At least it's looking, it's more that way over and over and over again every day. So what about this great economic stuff that the Joe Biden administration had promised us? They were going to take us to the next level. We're going to do away with that make America great thing. We're going to do away with America first. We're going to honor our commitments to our neighbors and partners around the world while we're growing our economy in the United States that was suffering under Donald Trump because of his egregious leadership. Don't even think about the pandemic. It's all of Trump's fault. Orange man, orange man. Well, guess what's happening now? We know prices across the board have just skyrocketed in this presidency. I mean, massively. 82% of manufacturing companies in the Philadelphia Federal Reserve survey reported paying higher prices for the inputs of their products. 82%. I'm going to tell you what that interprets into in just a second. That's just 1% of people said cost of input had fallen of these manufacturing companies. Because of that, the diffusion index, they call it, moved up four points to 80.7, the highest reading since June of 79. What does that mean? Well, they're talking about the cost that they're having to sustain to be able to just keep doing what they were doing before. Many of these companies are being successful in passing along at least some of those higher costs to their customers. Oh, those evil customers. You know, these are evil companies. (laughs) We're not evil customers. But companies run on two things. Revenue and expense. And what every company that exists wants to do is they want to get a little more revenue than they are spending. That's called profit. Oh, these companies, they're evil people. They just want to sit at the trough 
and gorge themselves on Americans. They're evil for doing that. Well, most companies are owned by, guess who? Stockholders. Guess who? Americans. <laughs> Over 51% of the firms reported increases in prices received this month, which is up from 43% last month. Only 2% reported decreases. That's about the same as last month. The current prices received index rose for the fourth consecutive month, up from 9 points to 49 points, its highest reading since 1980. Now, where is this all going to go, folks? What is this all about? It sounds bad. No, it is bad. It is bad. i got to be honest with you. We're in a situation. You know what was going on back then the last time this happened? 1980, who was the president? Jimmy Carter. What was happening then? If you tr- if you could even get a mortgage on a new home back then. I was, I was in the workplace then. I know, I'm old. <laughs> I was four years into my marriage. We had three kids. We moved. We changed cities for employment purposes. I had to sell a house in one city, buy a house in the next city. You know what the mortgage rates were? 17%. 17%. Do you have any concept of how much that made house payments go up? You know, there are millions of people that made fortunes during that. Who were those people? Those were people that had a lot of cash. And what they did was they deposited all their wealth in banks in mortgage companies, and how much interest do you get on a savings account at your bank now? Somewhere around 1%. Do you know what they were paying people that had deposits at that time in 1980? 14, 15% on money. What an easy way to make money if you have money to use to make money. No, folks, what we're headed for right now, and it's already on us. This is not something that's down the road. It's here. Inflation. The cost of everything is skyrocketing. I had coffee this morning with a close friend who manages a a stone company. You know, they do countertops and sinks. Really pretty expensive stuff. It's on new homes and remodels. Everybody wants stone. Everybody does. And everybody, you know, we don't we do not do countertops with linoleum anymore. We use stone of some kind, marble, granite. Well, they don't get that from the United States. There's really only one hot spot for granite mining in the United States. That's in New Hampshire. Most of it comes from Italy. Overseas, it all comes. How does it get here? It gets here. In containers, big containers on big ships. He got a note. He's part of a big company. They got offices all over the United States. They got a notice from their company. Their dead cost, the one that the base cost that he has to find some way to absorb, it's up 12%. Since January, folks, it's up 12%. Now, you know how what the margin, the difference between revenue and expense is in the retail business in the United States? It's different from place to place. Grocery stores, they're doing good if they can get a 10% margin. 
between the cost of what they sell us and the price they sell it to. Now, from that 10%, they have to pay for the expense of everything. It's mind-boggling. So, in the case of this stone operation, people are having to raise their prices by 12% just to break even. It's called inflation. Get ready, folks. The cost that you spend for everything, it's already begun to be on its way to the roof, through the roof, and it's only going to get worse. Only going to be worse. Let's get away from the bad news. Let's talk about something fun, something funny. Well, let's talk about the small round man over at CNN. I, I will watch this guy only when I want to get a chuckle. I'm talking about Brian Stelter. He is a left-wing conspiracy theorist extraordinaire. He's a proven liar over and over and over again. And guess what's happened to little Brian? He has now lost nearly 75% of his very small television audience since January. The latest episode of his show failed to attract even 1 million viewers for the 11th week in a row. 752,000 total viewers tuned in on Sunday. That's down from a peak of 2.7 million viewers. Think about that. 752,000 in January. 2.7 million now. 7.52 today, 2.7 in January. 72% collapse. Stelter's weekly, it's called CNN LOL, which is CNN Live Online. An hour-long slog devoted to tearing down conservatives, and his big target as always has been Fox News. It's now finished with less than 800,000 viewers on three different occasions in 2021. That kind of same thing is happening across the media spectrum. Now, you want me to read into all of this that's going on? I know you'll probably think if you're conservative, oh, that's a great thing. Good things are happening. It's really not that way. This is the signal of a symptom, and here's the symptom. Big news, big media is now ignoring what the American people want to watch, read, and listen to. More Americans are turning away from this craziness, this anti-everything conservative project that has consumed the big part of the media for now more than a decade. They're turning away from that and ignoring the people. How can they do that, you say? Well, let me tell you how they can do it. Big media is not now owned by big media, no longer. Big media companies used to be in the big media business. Now they're in all kinds of businesses. Prime example, AT&T on CNN. All of the big leftist entertainment media companies are owned by bigger companies. And so these hard left people that come from Wall Street come from a lot of these very, very liberal colleges up on the East Coast, the Ivy League schools, and other places. And there are people that come from different backgrounds, but most of these people that 
or at the top of these major corporations are hard leftist. And so what they're able to do now, folks, is they can have a CNN over here, and CNN's not a very big deal for AT&T. Now, they would like for every entity, every sub-company that they own to make money, but if it doesn't, but it serves the political perspective of the leadership in those companies, they're willing to lose over here to further their cause. Facebook, prime example. Amazon, prime example. Microsoft, prime example. Google, prime example. All the big Fortune 500 companies, almost without exception, prime example. And they're only getting bigger. That's scary. So when you hear them talk about, and I don't even know who's talking about it now, I mean, during the political campaign cycles, uh, people in the left that wanted to be president, like Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they were all talking about, oh, these big corporations are all evil. We got to bust them up. We got to bust up Facebook. We got to bust up Google. They're dominating. It's unfair. We can't let that happen. We got to go after Amazon. There's no man that should make the kind of money as Jeff Bezos makes. Of course, when their political party won power in both the House and the Senate and won the White House, they just shut up. They're not having to campaign now, but they're getting all of the big campaign dollars from those CEOs and other people in that same kind of thought process as they are. If you ever wonder what drives a boat, find the money. Money. The love of money, Jesus said, is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. And people will do anything for a dollar. Meanwhile, back at home on the streets, around the neighborhoods, around the cities, life goes on, right? Sometimes it's good. We hope that it's good more than half the time. In fact, we want it to be bad only just a small percentage of the time. But up in the Pacific Northwest now, bad news for a lot of people, a lot of regular citizens. All 50 of the Portland, Oregon Police Bureau's highly trained rapid response unit have resigned. This week, they all resigned at the same time. Why did they do that? Well, there was an indictment issued of Officer Corey Budworth, and the indictment alleges that he assaulted a photographer during an overnight riot during last summer. They all resigned. The Portland Police Association, a spokesman, said this. Unfortunately, this decorated public servant has been caught in the crossfire of agenda-driven city leaders and a politicized criminal justice system. On that night, it happened on August 18th, last year. On that night, according to the police union, about 200 demonstrators, many of which were equipped with tactical helmets Faces covered, armed with a variety of weapons. That's 200 of them, folks. Descended on the Multnomah building in southeast Portland. Multiple dumpsters were set on fire. Buildings were defaced. Windows were broken. A riot was soon formally declared at the planned event after somebody from the crowd launched a Molotov cocktail into the building, setting it on fire. 
After nearly 75 consecutive nights of violence, destruction, and mayhem, a small group of rapid response team officers that included Officer Budworth were tasked with dealing with the riot. Per the command staff, the orders, these officers cleared the rioters from the area to allow the fire department to extinguish the blaze. Building burning down. (laughs) And the rioters wouldn't let the fire engines get there. The firemen get there to put out the blaze. The rioters weren't satisfied with that. They didn't like it. Those rioters regrouped. And they began marching back toward the building that was burning. And as the rapid response team was working to clear the area, this officer, Budworth, was forcefully knocked to the ground and officers deployed pepper spray and less lethal munitions as the crowd grew more aggressive. Several of the rioters interfered with one officer attempting to place one person under arrest. Officers that included Budworth used their police bureau-issued batons to try to stop the crowd's criminal activity. Per his training, and in response to the aggression of one rioter who was interfering, Officer Budworth used baton pushes to move this rioter, now known to be Terry Jacobs, out of the area. Jacobs happens to be an activist and a photographer. He fell to the ground. Cell phone video showed Budworth striking him in the head from behind, quickly circulated on social media. But the union said the blow to the head was an accident. On the officer's part, he used the lowest level of baton force, reasonably believing that she was getting back up to re-engage in her unlawful activities. Budworth employed one last baton push to try to keep her on the ground, which accidentally struck her in the head. The location of Budworth's last baton push was accidental, not criminal. He faced a violent and a chaotic rapidly evolving situation, he used the lowest level of baton force, a push, not a strike, not a jab, to remove Miss Jacobs from the area. Now, already, this officer's career as a law enforcement official is over. He's done. He's toast. Now, these political activists, they won't stop there. They're going to sue him for all kinds of things. They're going to sue the city for all kinds of things. They're going to take this to the nth degree. Now, who pays the price for this? Budworth, of course, we've seen it happen again and again. The hard left, they go after law enforcement. They're looking for reasons to demean and destroy law enforcement across the nation. They don't have any plans in place of how they're going to take care of the problems. They've started defunding the police. Police forces have been disbanded. Money's gone. Officers are fleeing their jobs. And guess what's happening? Across the nation, where any of this craziness is going on, governments are actually making it happen. Governments are letting people that are anti-law in to run their governments and criminality is going through the roof. We are now seeing criminality in the big cities of America at heights greater than ever before recorded in the nation's history. And it's because of this and this kind of action where one officer is indicted in those circumstances that we just related to you and is accused of criminal actions against somebody who is out there burning down billions, throwing Molotov uh, uh, cocktails, 
Portland, Oregon, folks, the damage there is approaching a billion dollars to public and government property. And so one officer's trying to stop it in the middle of a riot, a building burning down, and people are stopping the fire enforcement law officers to let the firemen go in and put the fire out. And this happens. They go after all the cops that are around them. And this happens. No wonder people don't want to work in law enforcement anymore. What I think is a sad story has come out of St. Louis very quietly yesterday. I was surprised when I heard about this overnight. You remember that Black Lives Matter riot that happened in St. Louis back during last summer? Remember that couple, Mark and Patricia McCloskey, they had bought this gorgeous mansion that had been run down in a in a really nice part of St. Louis, but not a exclusive neighborhood or a subdivision. And they had spent a fortune remodeling this home, put it back into museum capability. I mean, it's a, it was done just like it formally and originally looked. And so these rioters and looters were marching, and they broke through a gate at the McCloskey's house. Mark and Patricia were standing on their back patio, both of them had guns, and they were—they didn't—they never shot, but they made it very clear to those protesters that they were not going to be allowed to tear up their property, and they were both arrested. Mark McCloskey is a lawyer, and the McCloskeys yesterday pled guilty to some charges, and I thought they were going to fight this to the nth degree, and they have so far but they pled guilty to a Class C misdemeanor of fourth-degree assault. That's Mark. His wife, Patricia, pled guilty to a Class A misdemeanor of second-degree harassment. They're going to pay the maximum fines of $2,750, respectively, and they're not going to serve any jail time. More important, though, the two will be forced to forfeit the weapons they were holding when they confronted those Black Lives Matter protesters who were marching across their, right in front of their home and broke down that gate coming into their yard last summer. Prosecutors dropped all the felony charges, all the gun charges, charged me, this is Mr. McCloskey, with a crime that I said purposely placed other people in apprehension of imminent fear of physical injury, and by God, I did it. That's what the Second Amendment was there for. And I couldn't say no to that when he added. That's what the guns were for. The guns were there to scare people off and make sure they didn't approach us or our property. And that's what the guns did. The two have claimed in multiple media interviews that the protesters were trespassing and noted that Black Lives Matter protesters in St. Louis and other cities have committed arson, have engaged in acts of violence. The couple previously pled not guilty and were slated to go to trial in November of this year. Those protesters told them they were going to kill us, Patricia McCloskey said last year. They were going to come in. They were going to burn down the house. They were going to be living in our house after I was dead. They told her this, and they were pointing to different rooms and said, that's going to be my bedroom, that's going to be the living room, and I'm going to be taking a shower over there. Of course, the local prosecutor 
He alleged that some of their claims were unfounded. There was no evidence, he said, that any of the protesters had a weapon and no one I interviewed realized they had ventured into a private enclave. Video showed folks breaking down an iron gate. Nobody had any idea they were venturing into a private enclave. Yeah, right. The couple gained popularity among conservatives around the nation after the media came out and showed all that stuff. The McCloskeys even appeared at the Republican National Convention. They endorsed President Trump for re-election. McCloskey has since launched a campaign to run for Missouri Senate seat. So why did they plead guilty? It was costing them a fortune. It's hanging over their heads. It's going to hang over their heads. It was going to be several years before it went to court. That's why they pled guilty. And they shouldn't have had to. And many people are angry that they did do it. Many conservatives say, why did you give up? Why did you just lay down for this? People, we don't understand the circumstances that go into a lot of decisions that people make. And this references back to what we talked about today at the southern border. I didn't denigrate, and I would never denigrate, people that want to better themselves and their families. I've never denigrated any of those people. I'm denigrating the government process in the United States that this administration is using to ignore federal immigration law, to thumb their noses at it, and to spend billions now of taxpayer dollars illegally to assist, to be complicit in all of this major federal law breaking, and they're even encouraging it to happen and to continue, and they're dangling to encourage these illegals to rush to our border from countries all around the world. They say they're talking about those three, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, to help those people because of their egregious conditions. It has been proven since Joe Biden started waving the flag of the the border walls open, come on in, people have come illegally to the United States from 161 different nations. And yet they still harp on this is only those Northern Triangle countries, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. We're helping people that are just below us. It's all about building numbers that will, they're convinced, support the Democrats that are in Congress and help them not just maintain the power that they have now, but to grow it exponentially and give them lifetime control of our government. Wow. What a bunch of craziness that we had to talk about today. You know, everything's not bad. I don't want you to ever think that we're just negative about everything. We're not. What we do, folks, is we look at things that we understand and know that are being portrayed purposely, incorrectly in our nation's media. And sadly, people are signing off on it and believing a bunch of it without ever knowing the facts. Here's what we at Truth News Network, we sign off with. I mean, this is, this is the way we feel. The truth will take care of itself. 
when the truth gets out there and the truth is put out in a, a pure and naked format in which the facts are there without a bunch of definition, without a bunch of perspective, it will always take care of itself. God made humans. He didn't make us perfect. None of us are perfect. But he gave us the ability to reason. And most people, not all, but most people, when they hear and see the facts in the context of what they've been shared before that are not facts, they're capable of discerning between the two. And that's the way we feel it is, and that's the way we feel it should continue. And because of that, folks, that's the way we live here at TNN, Truth News Network. And that is going to lead you into your weekend. I want to tell you, have a great one. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you Monday morning. Bye-bye now. Wish I knew what was going wrong Seems so very long Since we left together It's no good To be all alone When you've hurt a friend And you both feel empty What I'd give to Erase the pain afraid that our love may fade and we just won't make it maybe soon we'll be friends again find ourselves and then really make it happen Baby